Welcome to the Gospel for Life. We have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but rather it's for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. I'm Josh Bales, pastor of the Well Church, here with Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Phil Moran, pastor at Christ Presbyterian Church, and Jonathan Van Hoogen, pastor at Spring United Reformed Church. Now, if you'd like to find out more about us or catch past broadcasts or get information about our annual conference, you can find us at ReformationVoice.com. All right, welcome back to the show. We wanted to start out 2021 with uh, the results from last year's Ligonier's State of Theology survey. Uh, you can find this at TheStateOfTheology.com. It's 35 statements. Uh, and there was 3,002 respondents that took place over the year 2020. And you could basically agree or disagree or not be not sure about any specific question. And we've been going through this so far. So yesterday's program, we took the statement, Jesus is the first and greatest being created by God. And we we saw that 65% of evangelicals actually agreed with that. And Pastor Russ pointed out in between the show that that actually was worse than the general population. If I'm doing the math right here, what is it? 41, 51% of the population agreed with that, which means the general population answered that question better than evangelicals. I don't even, that's bizarre to me. Mm -hmm. And then the next question we're looking at today, it's very similar. Jesus was a great teacher, but he was not God. And on this 30% of evangelicals, uh, agree with that statement that Jesus was a great teacher, but he was not God. Can I just say the obvious here? If he wasn't God, then he wasn't a great teacher <laughs> because that's he he claimed to be God. Yes, maybe maybe some younger evangelicals don't understand that Jesus did in fact claim to be God in several places. Do you guys know some of those places off the top of your head? Well, you know, he said, "I and the Father are one." Um, he said, before Abraham was, I am. He that has seen me has seen the Father. Yeah. And, and when he said, I am, um, he, was, he was claiming for himself the holy name of God from the Old Testament. When God first revealed his name to Moses at the burning bush, and uh, Moses said, tell me your name. And God said, I am that I am. And the Jews knew what he was saying. Absolutely. That's why they accused him of blasphemy. And they picked up stones to stone they him. They picked up stones to stone him because, well, and, and nobody, nobody ever said this better than C.S. Lewis. In fact, it's one of the most, yeah. one, of, one of the most well-known te- teachings or arguments of C.S. Lewis. He said the one thing you cannot say, oh, oh I'm going to let Jonathan read it because he's brought it up. <laughs> Well, he he does he does mention you know he talks about this and it's his trilemma. He says if Jesus of Nazareth was not the Christ, the fulfillment of the Old Testament promise and prophecy, the Son of God and the Savior of the world, and he knew it, he is a liar at the worst, and we should scorn him and ignore him. On the other hand, if he was not who he thought he was, given his tragically deluded self understanding, we should pity him and dismiss him for a lunatic. It is rather difficult, however, on this position to explain the remarkable teaching that flowed from his mouth. If he is simply a legend, something of a heroic make-believe character along the lines of ancient Hercules or Santa Claus, we might admire the biblical stories for their wonderful charm. 
but we would certainly not view this person as the most significant individual to walk the earth, much less worship him. But if he is Lord, the Son of God, the Messiah, the risen and ascended exalted King of Kings, we are confronted with a completely different decision altogether. So he, he, he basically goes through, he's either Lord, liar, lunatic, or legend. And the liar, lunatic, and legend are not options open to us because they are disproven by the things that he said and done. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes when you are talking to people and that do not are not Christian and, and people encourage people to read through the Gospel of John, I, I don't know if I'm there. I, I don't know if John is, is maybe the most easy gospel to, to navigate. Yeah. However, if people are struggling with who is Jesus with regard to God the Father, is God or Jesus a created being? Is Jesus just simply a great teacher but not God? Then most definitely have them work through the Gospel of John. Mm-hmm. Because the Gospel of John, you can't read the Gospel correctly and read it what how it how it was written and get to the end of the book and decide Jesus was just a great teacher. Because the Gospel of John doesn't allow for that choice. Mm-hmm. Um, throughout Jesus's divinity is being demonstrated not only by what Jesus says, but what he directs those around him with regard to himself. I mean, he's forgiving sins. He's the one that is, he's making claims to that I'm God, but he's also accepting worship. He is telling them to pray to him. I mean, there's just over and over again throughout the gospel of John where Jesus is clearly saying, I'm God. Yeah. Yes, and it's it's explicit in John. It's implicit. That's correct. In, in the other gospels, in, in fact, uh, in years past, there were some liberal biblical scholars who would say that, well, you know, yeah, in John's gospel, you get all the, these explicit teachings of the divinity of Jesus because it was the latest gospel. But if you go to the early gospel, the the earliest gospel, the gospel of Mark, uh, it's not in there. Well, they were quite wrong. Uh, the divinity of Jesus is explicit mm-hmm. in the Gospel of Mark, if you know your Old Testament. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, for instance, uh, in Mark's Gospel, Mark tells uh, the, of the incident of Jesus calming the sea. Jesus is crossing the Sea of Galilee with his disciples, and suddenly there's a great d- storm, and the boat is being swamped, and the disciples are terrified. And, and of course, Jesus, if you remember the story, Jesus says, uh, they, they have to wake Jesus up. Remember, he's asleep on a cushion in the bow of the boat. And they wake him up, and he says, oh, you have little faith. And then he looks out at the wind and the waves, and he says, peace, be still. And it's complete. And now the disciples who were afraid before uh, now they're terrified beyond words because they know. In the, in the Old Testament, there's only one who can command the wind and the waves. Mm-hmm. And I've got to confess, I forget right the, the exact reference off the top of my head, but it's in one of the Psalms, that only God can command the wind and the waves. And when Jesus says, peace be still, and the sea is calmed, if you're a Jew, if you know your Old Testament, you immediately know, oh my and in that story, they were more afraid then of Jesus than they were of the yes. storm. Yes, well, they said, they said, who is this that even the wind and waves obey him? Mm-hmm. And that's the question that Mark, Mark wants you, the reader, to ask. Yep. 
Mm-hmm. And Mark's an evangelist. He, he, he's, he's leading you down this path of, of evidence to show you that Jesus is God in the flesh. He's God with us. Yep. One of the things that uh, Jesus designated himself the Son of Man, and oftentimes we only think of that in human terms, but Jesus is actually making reference to a passage in Daniel chapter 7 yes. where you see the throne of God you know, inhabited by the Ancient of Days, and it says that one like the Son of Man came and presented himself before the throne of God. He is, he is uh, given dominion and glory and kingdom and people and nations and languages to serve him. Jesus is referencing this passage in, in Daniel. He is uh, the son of, son of Man. He is divinity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and, and also, just one more thought briefly about this idea that, well, Jesus is a great teacher, but not God in the flesh. If you put aside, if you put aside all of the things that Jesus said about himself, and as we've already covered here in this show today, Jesus made explicit claims that he is God. If you put all of that aside and look only at the ethical teaching of Jesus— the ethical teaching of Jesus is, is wonderful, but the simple fact is it's not terribly unique among uh, rabbis of that era. Uh, Jewish rabbis of that era taught similar things about the need to forgive one another, about you know serving one another. The ethical teaching of Jesus is wonderful. But as I said, you look at it in historical context, it's not absolutely unique. What's unique about the teaching of Jesus is what he said about himself. Yeah. No, no other ancient teacher, certainly no Jewish rabbi, made similar claims about himself. The fact of the matter is, it's, it's convenient to be able to say that Jesus is a great teacher, but he's not God. Right. Because if he's God, he, the demand upon us is much higher and so I can say that somebody's a great teacher and still say, but I disagree with them on this point. Yes. I like what they say over here. I'm going to follow what they say. But over here, eh, I mostly agree, but, I, but I'm going to take exceptions. Mm-hmm. But you can't take exceptions with God. So if Jesus is truly the Son of God, equal with God, God himself— then he has a demand upon our lives where there are no aspects of his call upon us that we can set aside and say, I'll take A, but I'll disregard B. And I think it's easy then to fall into this category. We'll say, you know what? It's a lot safer just to call him a great teacher because it allows me to not offend everybody because I'm, I'm at least saying something positive about Jesus mm-hmm. and at the same time get out from the demand that Jesus yeah. places upon my life. And so it's kind of a, a safe zone to be in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is why C.S. Lewis' argument is so devastating because he just – Draws out the point that Jesus didn't leave that option open to us. Yeah, I, you know, we we had uh, criticized C.S. Lewis a couple days ago uh, for the suggestion that one could sincerely believe in another God and be saved. We we know C.S. Lewis, Lewis wasn't necessarily an evangelical, but he was he was a believer and a Christian. And the the point that we are making about C.S. Lewis today was is actually drawn from his book Mere Christianity. 
And I quoted something previously. Let me give you the quote from Mere Christianity. It says, Lewis writes, I'm trying here to prevent anyone saying the really foolish thing that people often say about him. I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. That is the one thing we must not say. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on the level with a man who says he's a poached egg, or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Mm -hmm. Either this man was and is the son of God, or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool. You can spit at him and kill him as a demon, or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about him being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us. He did not intend to. Mm -hmm. Amen. And I think we as... as Christians just need to continue to be clear about who Jesus Christ was, what he what he said about himself, what he demands of us, um, what are appropriate responses, what are not, and and really C.S. Lewis is correct. The only appropriate response to Jesus Christ is to to worship and to obey and to follow. Mm-hmm. You've been listening to the Gospel for Life. If you have missed any of our previous shows, you can subscribe to our podcast. It's the Gospel for Life, and we will see you next time. Thank <laughs> you.